0: Thanks for joining us for this edition of the ASHA podcast. I'm Fred Wine, Director of Communications with the American Sexual Health Association, ASHA. We're continuing our conversation on female sexual difficulties. We're talking with sociologist, sexologist, and relationship expert, Dr. Pepper Schwartz. Dr. Schwartz, this is the third, and I have to say with a bittersweet twinge, final installment of our series on the topic, so thank you for taking time to develop these resources for our listeners.
1: Oh, well, thank you for having me. I think it's a really important topic, and I, I know if we reach women who are suffering with HSCD that um, we really have done something
0: important, so I'm,
1: I'm delighted to be here. That's
0: great. Well, today we're going to focus specifically on the most common type of female sexual difficulty Hypoactive Sexual Desire Disorder, or HSDD, get all the letters in the right order. So, just jumping right in, yeah, yeah I, I mean, how important is a healthy sex life for women, and how does it affect their daily lives?
1: Well, this is my mission. I don't think we talk about this enough. I think a healthy sex life is critical. When women have an orgasm, for one thing, their system floods with oxytocin, and this is the bliss hormone. This is the hormone that makes you feel more contented, more loving, connected, and happier with your life. If women aren't getting that experience, they're not getting a very positive part of their endocrine system that really, really is soothing, and, and, and it's just so good for relationship and so good for the body, so good for the soul. And, you know, it's not just the endocrine system that, of course, we're talking about. Sex is the way we connect to the person we love. It's something that tells us we're unique to each other. It's the most intimate thing we do. It's the most special thing we do that we don't do with anyone else except the person that we pledged ourselves to. And sex is a gift. It's a gift that needs to be unwrapped. What kind of gift is it if you keep it wrapped? Just sitting there, (laughs) not doing anything for anybody, you know? So... I really believe that we should embrace pleasure, and if we're not getting it, we should want to retrieve it because it has so many benefits to our own sense of well-being and the health of our relationship.
0: We mentioned at the beginning that HSDD, hypoactive sexual desire disorder, is the most common type of, you know, sexual difficulty. What is it and what causes it?
1: Okay, well, let let me go over that. HSDD is defined as a persistent lack of desire, not situational, and it causes distress. That means that a person doesn't desire sex. This is really specific also to people who have felt desire. They have had enjoyment. They've experienced pleasure previously, and it went away, and they don't know why. They've stopped wanting a sexual connection, and they're distressed about it. So it is classified as a medical condition. HSTD, let me repeat that, is a classified medical condition and it's characterized by a deficiency or absence of sexual fantasies and desire for sexual activity that causes marked distress or interpersonal difficulty. HSTD is not caused by a coexisting medical or psychiatric disorder. It's not caused by medication or other substance or relationship problems, basically if a woman's experiencing low desire or low libido and they're really bothered by their lack of interest in sex, it could be hSDD. It is absolutely worth considering this it's interesting because there is some science about this this isn 't just a hypothesis it 's believed that the chemicals in the brain may affect a woman 's libido. Mm. There's been some brain imaging studies that show women with HSDD have different patterns of brain activation in response to sexual stimuli compared to women who do not report distressing low sexual desire. So what this suggests to us is that women with HSDD may process sexual stimuli differently from women without HSDD, and that affects their experience of sexual desire.
0: How common is HSDD? I mean, it's probably important to reassure women with HSDD that they're not alone.
1: Well, it's interesting. If you take a look at all the female sexual dysfunction issues, 40% of women experience sexual difficulties at some point in their lives. So, you know, none of this is automatic and necessarily happening always in a good way for anybody. If you look just at HSDD, approximately 4 million women in the United States may have this lack of desire, but it's rarely talked about. So we're, we're making an estimation here based on some of the social science data we have.
0: With any female sexual difficulty (HSDD or the others), how do women know that that their low sexual desire may be a true medical condition?
1: Well, it's tricky. I mean, it's really you do have to be kind of a de- detective in your own behalf. I think there needs to be a conversation with the medical profession because. Women's first instinct is to beat themselves up about anything that is going wrong. What's wrong with me, me, me? Why am I causing it, you know? Um, women tend to take responsibility for things that are not their fault. In this case, the way they get to figuring it out, that it might be a medical condition, is that they go and take a look at information, and they take a look and see what other potential causes could come first. And they go through a checklist, and they see if there's no other explanation, operation, well, then they think maybe, maybe I've got a medical condition.
0: So let's let's talk a little bit about the broader view of female sexual difficulties. I mean, beyond HSDD, what what are the other types?
1: Well, the four types of female sexual dysfunction that at least have been categorized in, in the literature of HSDD. Um, some of the problems we've just discussed are desire problems, but they also talk about arousal problems, sexual pain disorder, and orgasmic problems. Let me, let me sort of spell out those last three because we've been talking about desire problems. I'll come back to desire. The first arousal disorder is when women start to have sex and want to have sex, but nothing's feeling good. and Of course, that's extremely distressing, particularly if it used to feel good. Uh, Let me take pain. Some research suggests one-third of women say they have pain during intercourse or some kind of sexual play, and they think it's inevitable. But it's not inevitable, and it is definitely worth looking into. You don't have to have pain in sex. Let me stress that. And the last one that we hear a lot about are orgasmic problems. It's particularly a problem for women who never had it. They, They know they're missing something, but it's also a problem for women who used to have it, or they don't have it in the same way they used to. And so there's a a wide variety of orgasmic issues that women have and bring up quite commonly. Desire disorder, the one we're talking most about here, HSDD, is actually the hardest to understand. Women start to look for all kinds of other explanations. They wonder, like, you know, why don't I want my partner anymore? Mm -hmm. But they keep thinking it must be about themselves or that something's wrong with the relationship because it used to be okay and now it isn't. So it takes a while for them to figure out what it is and realize, realize that there's actually something they could do about
0: it. Is it possible to have more than one of these conditions at the same time?
1: Well, it's not unlikely, and that's why it's so confusing. So, for example, if you have low sexual desire, you know, you just aren't feeling it at all for a long time, you probably aren't having orgasms because you weren't interested in <laughs> sex in the first place. You might even be having pain because you're not lubricating and you're maybe not taking care of yourself that way because you really didn't want to be there. So, yeah, not having desire can have a cascade of other associated issues.
0: So if women might be experiencing difficulties, sexual difficulties, if some of these things may be happening, what what should they do? Well, okay, some steps. Not necessarily
1: in disorder, but this is the way I would approach it. First of all, A, you've got to acknowledge yourself and say, okay, this is really happening. Um, I don't like it. I've thought about it. Um, It's not good for me. I'm unhappy. My partner may be unhappy. So that's the first step, acknowledging it. Then I think the second step is to talk to your partner because your partner may be worried sick about the fact that you don't want him or her anymore. Um, Maybe the relationship's in trouble. Maybe something's going on with someone else. They need to be talked to as soon as you feel like you have something that you can talk about. Then I think maybe together, and certainly individually, but even better, together, access resources such as findmyspark.com, um, or you go to ASH's website for information, the American Sexual Health Association, which is where we are.
0: Thank you. And
1: then I think, armed, armed with all that, go see your doctor. Find, find time to go speak with your doctor and maybe go together. I think that would really be great. I've said, A, acknowledge it. B, talk to your partner, C, get some resources, and B, speak with your doctor. Partners need to be in it. They need to be in it from as soon as you know, and I think they need to go through some of these steps with you. Uh, Go pull up the ASHA website or findmyspark.com. Take the quiz. The two of you can talk about it. You can read the resources on the site and the personal stories of women. These stories will help a woman see that there is a community of women and couples dealing with similar problems okay, you've talked together, you've gone to the resources, now I think you've got information so that when you make an appointment with a healthcare professional or a therapist, you can help isolate what the problem is and you can find out what medical treatments are available. And, of course, you've got to be prepared with your questions because this is, you know, a lot of people kind of clam up or start to sweat when they get in a doctor's office. And one way you can deal with that and make sure you get what you need is to... Talk to your doctor ahead of time in your head and come armed with some questions. So they may not ask you anything directly. A lot of doctors, here's quite honest thing, they don't know how to talk about sex, they're afraid of offending you, right. and they may not get to the heart of the issue, right? So you can broach this topic by asking questions like um, I'm having low libido. Uh, do you think that's normal for my age? Or, you know, my sex is. Life is painful now, it used to be pleasant. it used to be rewarding, but it's really painful and i I want to know more about that, or you can just say, "Look at you know my sexual desire is is gone away um, I don't like it it's been a persistent issue I don't know what to do about it is my level of desire going to return to what it was automatically whatever applies to you, I think has to be broached. I think that research has found a lot of women don't do any of this. They say, this is my burden. I'm just going to yeah. deal with it by missing sex. But, you know, my bottom line is you don't do that. You don't give up. You take these steps. You go talk to a professional. You can solve it. And don't just take it on yourself as your problem. It isn't just your problem. It's a couple's problem. And, of course, why should you miss all this wonderful part of life?
0: Hear, hear. Well said. So, okay, so... <laughs> So you just talked about you know, the importance of seeking medical care, seeking a health care provider is appropriate, but what are some reactions that women have I mean, when they're diagnosed with HSDD or really any female sexual difficulty? I've heard two major reactions. One
1: of them is just basically relief. <laughs> oh, there's a name for this issue I've been facing. I'm not alone. There's other people dealing with it. There are medical professions that want to help me. There's. There's things that I can do on my own behalf. I can read up on this. I can do something to find a solution. You know, they feel efficacious. They feel strong. They feel informed. They feel relieved. So that's, of course, the the reaction you'd like to hear. But there are other people whose reaction is, okay, that's the way it is. Mm. I'm not going to do anything about it. I give up. I've got this thing, and I'm just going to live with it. I'm just going to deal with it. And, of course, I encourage against that response and really encourage women to be an advocate on their own behalf. This is not the time to give up. This is the time to
0: get active. So just following from that, I mean, I mean earlier we, we established that sex is good. You said it's a gift that needs to be unwrapped. So why, aren't, <laughs> yeah, so, so why aren't more people talking about sexual troubles? I mean, is there a stigma around it, and why is that?
1: Oh, well, there's a lot of reasons. Of course, sex is still stigmatized and uh, sex that isn't happening is stigmatized. You're kind of stigmatized either way, actually. Um, you're supposed to be sexually active and uh, you're supposed to be happy about it. And so, you know, that's you're going against, you know, kind of the pretense that everybody puts up out there because, as we've talked, a lot of people have issues with sex. But there's something that's also changed when you have a steady partner. If you're single and you went on a date and you didn't feel loyalty to that person, well, then women might talk about any sexual mishaps and that partner may have had with you and, you know, you talk to your friends about it, you share. Yeah. But if it's your husband, if it's your committed partner, then women feel that it's disloyal to talk about any sexual problems. None of us like to talk about anything that stigmatizes. Personally, uh, they don't really want their friends to look at them with like there's some pitiful person, that's bad enough, but if you're then bringing your partner into the discussion, it may feel like you don't have the right to do that. So between the stigma and your sense of what's loyal or not, you can be pretty quiet about this and not even tell your closest friends or even confide in your health professional about what's been going on.
0: So SEX can be a sensitive subject, obviously, but this whole thing about remaining silent, I mean, does that do more harm to relationships than good?
1: You know, I understand why people can be silent, and I don't blame them. But I also have to say that remaining silent is going to hurt them. It's going to be something that they're contained, and it's their secret, and it will bother them a lot, maybe all the time. And it can also hurt their partner and their relationship. Here you are lugging around what you feel is a really big secret. You're probably not aware that you're not covering all of it up as well as you think you are. And your partner is more likely to sense that something's wrong. And he or she might be blaming themselves. You know, what am I doing wrong? What's going off wrong in our relationship? It's not uncommon that the partner might even feel that you've fallen on, out of love with them, that you're not loving them anymore because we used to express it through sexuality, at least as one of your ways. Or they may think you're depressed and you've just lost your zest for life one of the worst things they can think of and it's not an unlikely thing is is my is my partner having an affair is the reason they don't want sex with me because they're having it with someone else so you don't want all this going it this is torturing a relationship in a way that's both unfair and unwise and, and not necessary i also can't say enough that if you're denying your partner the information they need about this because you don't trust their reaction then actually you should look at your relationship and see what's going on there and and repair that first because this is exactly the kind of thing a relationship ought to be able to solve and you should have a partner who wants to be a problem solver with you on you on this so so yeah it could be a relationship issue if you literally can't talk to them about it Remember that if you do have someone who can support you, then silence isn't your friend about this in any way.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so help us get the conversation started. I mean, what are some tips to help women going through FSD get these talks started with their partner and also with a healthcare provider? Well, first of
1: all, you know, before sometimes you'll listen to the remarks I'm going to make and forget them. So I would say you could, first of all, findmyspark.com. Go to findmyspark.com because this is a great website, and it will have the talking tips that I'm going to talk about. It will tell you how to start the conversation with your partner as well as your health care provider because you might put it off talking to your partner a little bit and can't remember what, I, what I'm saying now, but findmyspark.com will help you. Meanwhile, all right, here's my tips. First of all, it's important to find the right time to broach this partner conversation. This topic is sensitive. You need to put it in a good spot where you're both prepared to talk about it. So, you know, you pick a time where the two of you are feeling close and in a calm, private environment with no distraction. Maybe it's having a glass of wine after dinner. Maybe it's at a breakfast on a weekend weekend it's just something where you feel the mood is good and trusting and warm. And then all you have to say is, look, at, I, I need to tell you that there's something happening to me and I need to solve this problem together because I know it affects us. You can tell your partner why well, you haven't brought this up earlier and make it clear you are not placing blame. This isn't about yeah. them or what they did or didn't do. You know, this is about I'm suffering with this, I'm missing this, I know it's affecting us, I need you to be involved with the solution, I need you, I trust you, he or she needs to know what's going on with you and you can put it in a way that flatters them because it's true, this is the person you want to help solve this with you and and nobody else is in the position to do that besides them. That said, however nice you are, I wouldn't be surprised, and you shouldn't be surprised. If your partner is angry because maybe they've said something's going on, maybe you've denied it, maybe you really haven't dealt with it, maybe they're deprived and angry. I mean, they may have said some unpleasant things to you. Um, you know, after a long period of not having sex with somebody or pushing them away or not coming to bed at night, etc. cetera, um, you could have some anger going on. And what I would do then is not get defensive, but just say, you understand, um, that, that you're going to feel upset and I'm upset for you. I don't want you to suffer. I have you, I need you to know that I've, you know, only recently discovered that, you know, what may be going on is something that I can't handle together. It's not going to go away. And, and, and I want to share this with you because I feel, that we now don't have something that used to make us a really great relationship, I want it back again. And that should be affirming enough of an optimistic, positive direction of problem-solving to really end this conversation in a way that is really bonding for the relationship.
0: Mm. We have covered so much ground today in, in this episode and the previous two episodes of the podcast series, and I'm, I'm glad we really took time for a longer look at HSD and the impact not only on women but their partners. So Dr. Pepper Schwartz is our guest, and again, this is such an important and misunderstood topic, and we're really appreciative of you for taking time to make this information not only accessible but with, with some empowerment, you know, these action steps. So Dr. Schwartz, thank you so much. Well,
1: you're very welcome. Thank you for having me. I really do believe that sex is a gift, and I'm hoping that we can make it a better relationship by reincorporating desire and bonding through sexuality for any couple that has been suffering from a deprivation in that arena.
0: There you go. Well, if you've yet to listen to the previous installments of our conversation with Dr. Schwartz, no worries. Uh, If you're streaming this episode from the ASHA site, you'll find links to the others right there on the landing page where you click the play button. Um, All episodes are also available through iTunes, and there's a link there on the landing page, too. So thanks again to Dr. Schwartz. Thanks to everybody who's listening. And keep an ear out for more podcasts coming soon. Uh, Until next time, I'm Fred Wyand for ASHA. So long, everybody.